Hi, we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things mental health, parenting, and education. I'm Devani. And I'm Stacy. And today we're talking about Sesame Street. song in my head now right (laughs) that opening the the theme song makes me so happy yeah did you know there's a documentary (gasps) what no where okay so it's very exciting so i didn't know if there was but i was thinking of the mr rogers one and thinking I I was hoping that there was, I wished that there was. And so I just Googled Sesame Street documentary and there is one and I watched it. So I'll tell you a little bit and then you'll be able to like watch it after. Okay. Where? where? Um, It's on HBO and it's called, oh, hold on. Sunny Day? No. (laughs) Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. Oh. Which the comment on our social media, Dave... Would like to know the answer to that question. <laughs> I I kind of know why they say that now and so oh. much more. Yeah, um, we asked on our Cardigan Academy Facebook page what people remembered from Sesame Street, right? Yeah. And Dave said, finally getting there. <laughs> I mean, we asked how to get there before every episode and they never told us. We got lucky one day. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it took me a minute. I read it and I was like, wait, what? And know, then I was like, oh. <laughs> He's so funny. He is. Um, Jenny said, my earliest days of motherhood were spent curled up on the couch with my son watching Sesame Street. Every morning we would watch it together and he would dance and sing with all the characters. Yes. That was part of Sesame Street's goal that I learned through the documentary was to have parents watching and having conversations during and after with their kids which is kind of where this whole segment cardigan academy av club where we talk about a show comes Mm -hmm. from right because it was something i learned from you early on about the the preteen and teen years like keep watching stuff with them Mm -hmm. there's so much to discuss when you watch something together and so to hear that in the documentary that Sesame Street was intentional and wanting to do that. And then Jenny saying that was her experience was really cool. I love that. I So I grew up with Sesame Street. So I'm the kid of immigrant parents. And so when you're the first generation born here and at home, you're speaking, like for me, it was Portuguese. We spoke Portuguese at home. All my relatives spoke Portuguese. All of the people we knew culturally spoke Portuguese. Some people spoke English too and or both but that would be more the fallback with family and then I was going to school where everyone spoke English so Sesame Street has this special place for me that I I learned to I learned English I learned to read I learned about letters and numbers like all that stuff that they teach Mm -hmm. I, I, I did I learned a ton from Sesame Street and I 
the diversity in it, like I just grew up, that was so normal for me to see Maria and Louise and Gordon and like Susan. I never thought twice about it because, you know, kids don't. Mm -hmm. Racism is learned. Um, I really believe that. Uh, I just, it was just very normal. And so when I went to school and had friends that were black or Hispanic, like I didn't think twice about it. Mm -hmm. Like it was just so normalized for me. In fact, just so much of the things that we saw on Sesame Street were normalized for me, including things like kindness and empathy and, you know, looking out for your neighbor. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know, that just growing up on Sesame Street just made so many of those things the norm. You're going to love the documentary. <laughs> because we mentioned on our last episode how much we enjoy hearing about the process of something and mm -hmm. just knowing how much intention went into it and from different people and what their beliefs about things were. It was just really cool to get that background. I'm excited to see it. I did not know this existed and I am, I'm all over this because it really holds, like, I, I almost feel like I've got all this excitement in me that, like, I'm trying to not be too loud, <laughs> like, clip the podcast. I'm so excited because I, that's how I feel about Sesame Street. It makes me ridiculously happy. Like, I have a couple of little things like this. Um, I think I've told you this before, but not on the podcast. But you know how smell is very linked to mm -hmm. our memory? And we, we smell something, we're taken right back. Sounds maybe aren't as strong, but they're, you know, music can do that. Mm -hmm. And the the sound of the Sesame Street songs or the Muppets, like that also, like like Jenny said in the comments, that does take me back to young motherhood. Like it takes me back to being sort of, you know, you're, you don't get a lot of sleep as a young mom. And it, that sort of tired morning sleepiness, but your kids are up and they're raring to go mm -hmm. and they're watching and they're excited and you're, you're tired and you're doing things. So that's sort of like morning haze yeah. feeling. Like I can get that feeling back of what it was like with young kids. And it just always made me so happy. It made me happy to see my kids watching something that brought me joy as a kid. Mm -hmm. So the thing I was going to say is that there's this particular sound that makes me very emotional whenever I hear it. And it's the sound of being in an audience with a whole bunch of kids and hearing the kids like excitement and laugh. Like we took our kids to see Sesame Street Live. Mm -hmm. And when the curtain goes up and they come out and all the kids get so excited, you hear like Big Bird and they're all excited. I, I always 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 get very very emotional yeah. i don't know what it is but just hearing this throng of children be that excited it's just such it's such a happy sound i just i don't know i get choked up and then the other thing i was going to say is we're really lucky here in pennsylvania because there's a theme park that mm -hmm. is sesame place and we went I think a couple times, I don't think it was just once, but we went a couple times with our kids and I was beside myself. <laughs> I was thrilled because the characters are all there. And so, you know, for people who are local or people who don't know, Devani and I live in central Pennsylvania, so we're very close to Hershey and Hershey Park. And we've been to Hershey Park too, and it's great. Um, you know, and it's it's fun when a Hershey Kiss or a Hershey Bar <laughs> comes up and you take a picture with them. Or one time we saw Kid Cat. <laughs> Did I tell you the story? 
I don't know. Someone yelled, hey, Kit Kat. And, you know, like, imagine, like, one segment of a broken off Kit Kat. It's like, <laughs> very rectangular. And so as as Kit Kat turned around, <laughs> I'm moving for Stacy because we're on video, but it was very, like, <laughs> geometrically wobbling to see who was calling their name. <laughs> That's amazing. It was, like, one of the... I See, I've seen Kit Kat in the full bar with a wrapper but there's a there's a well like, maybe I, maybe i'm off? maybe i'm remembering it wrong but i didn't think it was like because you know kit kats come in fours oh it was probably like the miniature size like the two right i, I think the it's not he's not a large rec it's not a wide rectangle he's <laughs> he might still have a wrapper on i don't know i'll look up <laughs> I'll, I'll include a picture in the post for this I should get you pictures of us with like, you know, Cookie Monster and yes. all these. So I, I, I totally am not yucking anyone's yum or like I, Hershey Park's great. Hershey, Pennsylvania is great, of course, you know. But like for me, seeing the Muppets from mm -hmm. Sesame Street was like, I felt like I know them. Like I eat a Hershey bar. <laughs> but well, like, but if it's emotional support chocolate, maybe. <laughs> You feel that way at Hershey Park. That's true. That's true. Just shout out to um, Daniel's interview episode because I was also <laughs> thinking about, he mentions Ernie and Bert in his episode, but he calls them Bernie and oh, Ert yeah. and doesn't even realize that. <laughs> and so he watched the documentary with me and I said, do you remember watching Sesame Street? And he actually doesn't. So it's interesting to me that he might have those experiences emotionally. <laughs> reversed of you <laughs> <laughs> well and that's true maybe for for dan seeing a walking hershey bar is like my people <laughs> but i was like ernie and bert like i was fangirling i was like what do i say to them oh my gosh like i was so starstruck like it was just these are these muppets that i grew up with and absolutely love and so many things stay with you right like the my kids we Kate talks about the there's a it's I think it's a little cartoon short where the kid's brushing his teeth but he's leaving the water running while he's brushing his teeth and then you you follow the pipe out to a lake and the lake's water is going down 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 oh. and the fish is like oh, oh no and and Kate talks about how that that just stays with you and you're like turn off the water if you're not using it because the yeah. poor fish like <laughs> it's simplified but it's it does stay with you I remember one that was like a a, again a c cartoon in sesame street but it was a potted plant that was very wilted and the woman said you gotta water it man and they watered it and it like re <laughs> that goes through my head as i'm watering like my house plant <laughs> you gotta water it man but or like everyone in everyone if you say menomina they're mm -hmm. gonna start the do doo-doos like right it's just they're these cultural things from it Oscar yeah. the Grouch and the songs so there are some great songs some funny songs when when Kate was little Mark was in medical school I was in graduate school and this is back in the day of DVDs so we have a few particular Sesame Street DVDs that got a lot of play mm. and also back in the day we had a cassette I'm really dating ourselves here <laughs> yeah a cassette uh a tape player in the car like as part of the car and we would listen to the same sesame street we had this little 
this tape with this, these songs. And again, that is very connected in our minds to mm-hmm. going back and forth to my school because I was nursing her. Mark was, I was home with her. Mark was in medical school all day. And then I would go to my graduate school classes at night. And so I would pack all the bags. Mark would get home. We'd eat dinner. We'd grab all our stuff and go to my school and to my campus. And then Mark would be doing homework and hanging out with Kate in in an empty classroom or a lobby or what, because I would nurse her Mm -hmm. in between my, my classes were long. And so she was there to be nursed and my um, my whole class kind of adopted her as like a mascot kind of, <laughs> it was really fun. But there are these, when she was really little, like as a toddler, she would get excited about Elmo's world, which yeah. that was not a thing when I was growing up. Right. And Zelly mentioned Mr. Noodle too, which was yes. also like later generation Sesame Street, right? Yeah. And and so seeing our kids enjoy that, but when Elmo's world would come on, it was its own segment and it had its own theme song. Mm-hmm. And it's got a lot of la-las. Yep. And so Kate used to ask for it by saying, you know, as she's like barely learning to talk, it's like, la, la, la. It's like, oh, it's it's Elmo's world. We're yeah. all excited. She's saying la-la. You know, like there's just these, oh, geez, just the songs, the, the feel... There are a couple songs that still make me really emotional, and I yeah. have to like be careful if I'm in the like, yep. in the mood to feel this feeling. Is is the like to visit the moon one? Yes, like? that is exactly what I was going to say. So sad, so sad. I that's see that's exactly the song I was thinking of. Mm-hmm. Like I get a little like verklempt mm-hmm. <laughs> with that one. They had a segment on breastfeeding on the documentary. Really? Uh, yeah, they said that you know. La Leche had written to them and said, can you normalize breastfeeding? And so there's a shot of a mom nursing a baby and Big Bird is asking questions. And she even <laughs> says the word breast. And I'm like, wow, Sesame Street. That's amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I've noticed a difference over the years. And, you know, we misremember things sometimes or we remember things differently from years ago. And I was like, I swear that when I was watching Sesame Street, we didn't just have a letter and number of the day. They were full on words that we mm. were learning. And I thought, you know, maybe I've played it up in my head or. Mm-hmm. But then we got some old, I don't remember if it was VHS or DVD, but years ago we got older episodes from the library. And when we watched them, I was like, whoa, it's gotten way different. Like it was full on like phonics and sight words and putting you, was it the, is it the two-headed Martian that would do the, you know, the word would come together and one head would say part of the word, the other, and it would, that there was a lot more of that than there is now. And I'm not sure why that is. It started, the idea was that a lot of children in the inner city and that were struggling socioeconomically were coming to school already at a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And so the plan was, can we teach kids literacy at the ages of three through five through television? And the documentary goes into how these kids were singing jingles from commercials. So they were like, of course we can, right? Mm -hmm. And they did, but, and that's where the, um, can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Before it actually aired, that was like a outreach campaign where they would go to cities and speak to different oh. populations about how this was going to be a thing. And you'll, can you tell me how to get there? And you'll know how to get there when the show airs. That makes sense. It would follow the pattern then that now they're doing 
different literacy skills. Mm, okay. Because at the time, they said some kids were coming to school and entering first grade never having held a book. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. So, Ugh, you think of other sad. campaigns like Bookmobiles or Riff, you know, mm -hmm. Pizza Hut, Book It, like the things we do now to make sure that kids at least have books in their hands. Yeah. But at the time, it was just this is the alphabet. This is how you say it. This is how you count to five. Yeah. And then also all of the other ideas, like you were saying about what makes up a neighborhood. Um, they said Oscar the Grouch it, um, explored the idea that just because someone thinks differently than you, you can still be friends with them. Mm -hmm. How do you handle someone that's always grouchy in your neighborhood? And <laughs> Carol Spinney did Oscar yeah, yeah. and Big Bird. And they were saying that it must have been like therapy for him to explore those two sides of his personality. He said he wanted Big Bird to be just like the age of the children who were watching, um, exploring concepts and making mistakes the mm -hmm. same way they would at that developmental age. And then Oscar was totally, you know, just a grouch. And so those two things, and, and there's even a photo in the documentary of him kneeling down doing Oscar behind the can, but he has Big Bird's legs still oh. on his. <laughs> it's really, really cool. That's really neat. I, It shows like that in Mr. Rogers, right, that would take on the subjects that people would, again, underestimate whether or not kids could handle them. Yeah. Um, but it's something I appreciate about them. And I know also that makes sense with it being public public broadcasting system, yes. PBS, it was accessible to people, whether or not they had cable. And that's why they picked it to be on a street. They wanted it to be mm -hmm. urban and inner city. Like that was intentional. Yeah. And so then there you are saying, when I got to school, it, di it didn't matter who my friends were. Or like, I do mm -hmm. remember looking at that and growing up in the suburbs and never having been to a city. It was kind of fascinating to me mm -hmm. to see that people were just hanging out on their front stoops instead of in their backyards you yeah. know but it normalized that concept even though i wasn't seeing it firsthand or experiencing it myself and the create one of the creators john stone did say that he wanted the show to not talk down to children yep and what you mentioned um came up when mr hooper died yeah so the actor died and they wrote it into the show and they said the two things that they wanted kids to know was that when people die, they don't come back mm -hmm. and that any feelings you have about it are acceptable. And so Big Bird is struggling with like, mm -hmm. oh, I'll just see him when he comes back. And the, the actors are having to tell Big Bird that, that he's not coming back. And also they're talking about their friend, the actor who just died as well. And oh, yeah, that's hard. I've got chills. Yeah. Do, do you know what year that was that Mr. Hooper died? 1982. Okay, because I was going to say, I remember that, and that checks out. I mean, I would have been eight. Yeah. Um, And I know it's geared toward younger kids, but it's just one of those shows you can watch at whatever age, like even yes. as an adult. And that's intentional, too. They said, I love that. like, the parodies they do. You know, it yeah. used to be, like, Monster Piece Theater or the, <laughs> the Letter B song after, yeah. you know, Let It Be. <laughs> And now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I highly recommend it. And maybe we'll just spend an evening doing this together sometime. But I like to go to YouTube sometimes and just search Sesame Street parodies because there's ones now about mm 
Mad Men and yes. uh, True Blood and <laughs> the Hunger Games. And they, they make it, you know, same thing. They want parents to be sitting in the room and entertained mm-hmm. as well. So they stay with the kids and have those conversations. It's like, uh, it's like SNL for kids, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> which the Muppet show always reminded me of that. But same idea that it's the Muppets on Sesame Street. It does. It's it's a sketch, right? Sketch comedy at yep. times. Um, and it was geared after commercials. So even like when they used to say sponsored by the letter, whatever. Yeah. That was literally like, you know, this was our sponsor for and they're going to do short clips. It's it's the Muppets. And then it's an animation about the letter. And then it's something else. And very, very quick and lots of um, studies with children watching to see what what kept their attention. Oh, they did a really good job. I, I know sometimes they would get flack and people would be like, oh, kids attention spans are shortened and it's mm. it's all these little short things we get. But like, no, kids attention spans are short because their brains are developing. And of course, they're short at right. first. Like that's actually totally normal. Yeah, so they, they played they played into they 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 catered toward a, the child's brain development. They didn't create it. Yeah, they, they did what's best for kids. We've also talked about how different it was from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. My husband, Rob, his mom talks about how he liked Sesame Street and not so much Mr. Rogers because he was a very fast-paced moving. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, we had one just like him that we called <laughs> Ginger Nato for several years. <laughs> but then there I was, more the quiet, reserved kid. Mm-hmm. Not that I didn't enjoy Sesame Street because I did, but there was something about Mr. Rogers talking slower intentionally almost in a like even mm-hmm. not just the the speed of the way he talks but the tone of his voice was yeah. just very soothing yeah and i would i it was like i don't know if it's the year or what i love i loved both for different mm-hmm. reasons is that the ambivert in me is like both yes <laughs> but different and the things that stay with you like mr rogers i remember how crayons were made and how peanut butter was made and he'd visit these places and then sesame street there's so many of those like you said the parodies or the thing about the fish you know don't waste the water or even bert and ernie right like oh my gosh you're so funny they're right the documentary gets into the relationship between the between jim henson and frank oz too oh you're gonna love it but i i won't i won't spoil any more of it but just how they would play off of each other when one of them made a mistake and I mean Bernie and Ert Bernie and Ert I just did it <laughs> I thought you did it on purpose <laughs> I mean Ert and Bernie is what he said I would 100% watch Ert and Bernie <laughs> Bernie can wear big mittens <laughs> okay okay now I have to think about it great he's ruined it for me yep. <laughs> Bert and Ernie are hilarious in and of themselves, like mm-hmm. even just watching the short clips that they included in the documentary, yes. I'm laughing out loud. My kids are kind of like watching and amused, but not, I don't think, as entertained as I am and always was. Was but the to know that the to the two puppeteers behind it also had a relationship is just really cool. I love that. There's the story of Jim Henson is so sad. Mm-hmm. He was so young when he died, and it yeah. was like wasn't it like the flu or pneumonia or something? I don't know. It said was in the young. documentary he was 53. Yeah. And they have a clip of him talking about how he and Frank Oz imagined being in their 90s and in the Aww. rocking chair and still doing Bert and Ernie. So that was kind of hard Ugh. to hear. Yeah. 
didn't Frank Oz also do? And I could be wrong, but did he? Didn't he do Yoda too? Did he do the voice? I don't know. But he's still alive because, you know, you know me, I'm watching the documentary <laughs> simultaneously Googling each of the people. Are they still alive? How old are they? What are they? Yes, you know? that's what I do. Yeah, of course. It, it adds that those layers and richness that we were just talking about in the previous episode, you know, yeah. to things. I was thinking, too, that um, watching my kids watch it and watching with them and the newer segments and the things that would stay with it there are little catchphrases you hear a lot little things and they stay with you and like you said it's things that you start to say yourself mm -hmm. and there was this whole segment with big bird and I, again i haven't seen it more recently so i'm not sure what's different what's the same but he would say asking questions is a good way to find things out i heard it so much that as an adult in graduate school Big Bird would come to my mind and give me the courage to ask a question that I thought might be stupid. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> because I was in a I was in a, a master's of social work program and everyone in the program except for me had a bachelor's of social work. Mm -hmm. And I'm coming in there with a bachelor's in humanities and English literature. And so there was a lot of stuff they all kind of took for granted. They already had that foundation. And I had you know, some sociology background. I had volunteered places like a food bank and a suicide crisis hotline. I'd, I'd done things like that to prepare for going into this, but I didn't have all that. They knew so many things. A lot of them were like acronyms and, mm. you know, and also the way I had been raised more conservatively, family, culture, religion. There were some views on things like welfare or different things that were I had always heard portrayed as very negative. And mm -hmm. so here I am in a room full of social workers and with a very different take on social programs, which was somewhat new to me. Like I knew I wanted to help people. I knew I wanted to go into counseling and behavioral health and stuff. So being the only one who didn't know, and they're throwing around these acronyms, I would sometimes, I would have all these questions and almost hesitate. Like, do I say anything? Because mm -hmm. I, I, I also didn't want to take up class time as the only one who didn't know something I can look it up. But sometimes I was getting a little bit lost because mm -hmm. now they're throwing so many, you know, letters around. So I, I would think of Big Bird and I would ask the, he all, I think he even, they would also talk about there's no such thing as a stupid question. Like I, I, I don't like when people get uh, shamed or demeaned for asking a question because Big Bird said, this is how we find things out. <laughs> so I would trepidatiously ask questions and I, to this day, I've tried finding him online, but I had this professor, he was adjunct, Jim McCabe, Professor McCabe, and he was absolutely delighted when I asked questions. And he would say, yeah, right there, Stacy, thank you so much. Does everybody see the questions Stacy's asking? I really appreciate that you asked that. Like he made me feel 10 feet tall mm -hmm. for asking a question that maybe was a little, controversial like they you know again coming from a conservative background i would be like but isn't isn't welfare you know the whatever thing i had always heard yeah and instead of jumping on me and being like you know you're out of line and and i don't know they could have all pounced on me he didn't he was like that is such a good question let's talk about it and i i to be welcomed that way in response to my questions that big bird gave me the courage mm -hmm. to ask created this incredible and that professor that professor responding that way just 
made it such a good learning environment. And it made me less nervous to ask questions that maybe other people knew the answer to, or maybe would be considered quote unquote stupid mm-hmm. and wasn't. And, and he started even saying, there's a lot of alphabet soup in social work. So why don't we start when we start saying an acronym, let's remind everybody what it stands for before we just start tossing letters around. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is awesome. So I owe that to Big Bird. <laughs> I loved Grover. I don't know that I ever had a favorite, but looking back, I find the segments when Grover is the waiter. <laughs> yes. And also like the near and far one. Just <laughs> the documentary also shows, um, and you've probably seen these before, but the clips where they would have kids on with a Muppet. Yes. And how, you know, they would pick kids, not actors. Mm-hmm. And how the kids would just connect with the Muppet and not the person down below who was controlling it. And yeah. all of those segments are so cute. I, when I was watching that part, I was like, Stacy's going to love this. <laughs> I am. I'm already so excited. I know. It's going to be like so good for your brain. <laughs> well, even hearing that near far, I can hear it in Grover's voice. And I remember the Spanish segments as well, which I love that they did so much in Spanish mm-hmm. for the reasons that you're saying, right? But I remember he would open and close the door and it would be abierto, cerrado, like it was over and over again. And like, I will never forget how to say open and close in Spanish, thanks to Grover. (laughs) I loved Kermit though, too. When Kermit does his like, pulls his face in and like, mutters. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like, I just really love the full range of like, Muppet emotion. I like them getting frustrated. (laughs) <laughs> I even love the Sesame Street books. And one of the classics is with Grover. It's the yeah. monster at the end of the book. The that is a huge favorite in our house. Like that is, that's a fun, fun book. Like every kid should have that book. <laughs> Did you watch Follow That Bird? Yes. Oh, that was really sad for me as I know. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it in my body when I'm talking. Yeah. And I yeah. did love the Christmas special, and I watched that with my kids when they were younger. But the Follow Is... That Bird, I don't know. I don't know how I would feel rewatching it as an adult. <sighs> so much nostalgia, so many feelings, because it's got it's got all the stuff, right? All the songs and all the feels and the lines and the story. And so, was the Christmas one that you watched? I'm curious, because maybe there's more than one, but there's like a, a recent one where Elmo gets a snow globe. Is that the one you're thinking of? This was like pre-Elmo. This was okay, like the old ones. I watched it. Okay. So probably 80s. Okay. Because there's one uh, recent one where Elmo, well, recent. I shouldn't say that. It's probably like 20 years old now, but. I think there's been 53 seasons. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. So Elmo gets the snow globe and there's something about like he can make a wish on it. And, you know, when you shake it, it snows and he he's like he always goes shake 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 and Kate and max would shake 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 to their toys because of this but in in the show in the christmas special he he drops it and it breaks and i if i remember correctly i think kate actually started crying when it broke like it was just you know you all just sort of stop like oh no and even that had that gentleness of mr rogers of like not getting mad at someone because accidents happen and but he, in this, if I remember right, too, he was told, like, not to do that. And then he did. 
see, and this is reminding me of the This Is Us emotional segment with the snow globes. Yeah. So I'm thinking like now snow globes are going to be like <laughs> something that I'm, you put it on a shelf and you don't make it snow. <laughs> so I, sad. I know. I know. These metaphors and these things that just stand out in our forever what it is because of these shows. There's a song that they would do on Sesame Street. Um, it was on this tape we would listen to in the car. And it was a, it was just about a toothbrush. But sometimes we still sing it. It's like, it was almost like a little, like, it wasn't a rap, I don't think. But it was like, toothbrush, toothbrush, everything you want to know. Toothbrush, toothbrush, whoa. Like, <laughs> Just this like, and now sometimes we just say toothbrush, and it's like, I want to sing, and I want. <laughs> so was the toothbrush answering questions? I don't remember. I think they were encouraging kids to like brush their teeth, and the toothbrush is so great. And now, now you got me wondering. I don't remember, but we'll I remember have to the research song. it. <laughs> that makes me think that one of the um one of the parodies that is more current on YouTube is "Orange is the New Snack." <laughs> <laughs> so clever <laughs> i love that <laughs> i'm telling you next time we need dopamine we're just gonna have to like all right sesame street parody time yes pick one to watch together chat I... as we're watching it <laughs> i would totally do that cookie monster was always one of my favorites because i love cookies it's probably like one of my favorite desserts and I loved him. He always made a mess and it made me, I, I don't like wasting food. I've never liked wasting food. And sometimes watching those cookies fly all over, it be like, oh, but I love Cookie Monster. He just, everything was like with gusto. And yeah. I appreciate that about Cookie Monster. <laughs> One of the skits that we would, that would make my kids laugh. Do you remember one where Ernie and Bert, like I'm checking myself here now. <laughs> be careful. Ernie and Bert would go, they went fishing. Yeah, here, fishy, fishy. Yes, yes. Yeah. Here, fishy, fishy, fishy. Like Kate would bust up laughing. We'd watch it with Max, same thing. I don't know why, but kids find that so funny. Um, My so brother that... was terrified of the sarcophagus one. There What's was that? There was a Bert and Ernie. No, it was Bert and Ernie, and they're like in a tomb like an egyptian or maybe they're oh. in a museum it's dark and the sar sarcophagus looks just like ernie and it's the kind of thing where every time he's not looking i think it moves or something oh and again just scary enough that i remember it 30 years later you know yeah okay so i thought you were talking about the count at first <laughs> and and he you know i that's another thing i still do as an adult if i'm like if I ever call out a number, if somebody's like, how many are left? I'll be like, three. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just what I do now. But I'm also thinking as you talk about these skits and things like these sketches, I'm realizing that I watched it as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then I became an aunt because my brother is so much older than I am at 14. Mm -hmm. And I would babysit my nieces. So 14, 15, 16, 17, eight, I'm, I'm watching it again with them. Yeah. And then years later, becoming a mom myself and watching it. So I really have kind of been watching it through the generations. Mm -hmm. I'd yeah. kind of forgotten that, but yeah. Me too. My nephews, 
I think I was 12 when the oldest was born. And that was like right around Tickle Me Elmo was a yes. big <laughs> deal. <laughs> and that, yeah, that was probably like when Elmo, it was probably pre-Elmo's world, but Elmo was definitely mm. moving up. Yeah. Having his day. <laughs> yeah. And then it was, and then they added Zoe, right? Elmo and yeah. Zoe. And Baby Bear. And Abby Cadabby. See, that was later, right? Mm -hmm. When did she come on the scene? Later. Because I think when I was watching it, it was like Prairie Dawn was the... Yes. The, the main girl Muppet. That's right. That's definitely dating us. Like, <laughs> I really like the two-headed monsters, though. There was some of that in the documentary. And I said to Daniel, do you know these guys? And he's like, no. And then I'm thinking, okay, we just have to watch like some... Or the the aliens, you know. The... Yes, yes. When they're trying to figure out how a phone works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that them, right? Yeah, they would yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and they would go, nope, 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 nope. And then, yep, 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 yep. Yes. And they had the little, like, their mouths with, like, the big necks would be like, <laughs> Isn't it Sesame Street where the guy goes to the market and he, he doesn't write down the list, so he keeps repeating the, the ingredients he's going to buy? I don't know. I'm almost positive. He's got this Brooklyn accent. He's like, a pound of flour, a gallon of milk, and a stick of butter. <laughs> it's like, and he mutters it all the way to the store. And so Mark still does that when he goes to the store for a couple of items. Like He talks like the guy and said, he does take a list. <laughs> It's just, there. it's like Friends, right? I feel like Friends is very relatable to everything. Well, so is Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't wait to hear when you watch the documentary. I am very excited. Like, I, that is going right up the list Yay. on something to watch. Do you have an extracurricular? It ties in with what we're talking about, but also it's its own thing. So um, I have a Sesame Street Lego set to make, which I'm very excited about. But also over the past few years, I've done the Simpsons house and the Home Alone house. And so I just wanted to put a plug in for getting Legos as an adult. It does the same thing to my brain that jigsaw puzzles do. I didn't discover it until I had my own kids and they would need help. And I was very enthusiastic about helping with that. And yeah, I've done orchids, um, so it can be an adult set, but it doesn't need to. But we have a Kloopy that also recently discovered she liked it. And so I gave her permission to get your own grown-up Legos yes. as a mom or a dad or just an adult, even if you're not a parent, and do the Legos. I love that. And I have a confession to make, too, that um, the most money I think I've ever spent on anything on eBay was it was a nostalgia vintage toy it's like my my mom threw out most of my stuff growing up which i get this like attachment to things because of that because some of the things i got really attached to is it the little set yes oh my gosh i was in an antique store like last <sighs> fall and saw one how much was it do you remember? i don't know but i just sat there and pressed i have a video on on my instagram which is still playing school <laughs> of me just like pressing the button so oscar comes yeah up and down, up and down. Yes. And it's got the merry-go-round and the slide and the, yep. the tick-a-tick thing, like the little conveyor belt. I 
played with that was my favorite toy as a kid I yeah. grew up on it and we paid I mean we were newly married so it was I want to say it was either just under or just over like a hundred dollars it was, it was which was a well lot yeah it is because I'm like my kids will have this set I cannot believe that got thrown out and, yeah. and it's got all the little characters you can yeah. stick them on your fingers like yeah. oh, they're it's the little people right yes like yeah, the, like so it's like the Fisher price yeah yeah that's amazing do you have an extracurricular? I know you I, do. I do. So, so mine is Kingdom Builder is a game that I have played for years, but also haven't played in years. So we have the board game. We would play it. I wanted to play it probably more than anyone else in the house. And so it was one of those things where I would, okay, we can play other stuff for a little while. But like, if somebody would play with me, I would play it a lot. Yeah. And um, I guess I... How did I get on the kick? I don't know, but I rediscovered it recently. I know what it is. We were playing Machi Koro a lot, which is a game that Dave got us a version of it for Christmas, and we've just played it for like, I don't know, like a year of the pandemic. It just mm -hmm. never went away. We just, like, we didn't put it away. We played it all the time. And then he said, if you like that, you're really going to like Space Force. Oh, sorry, not Space Force. That's the show. Space Base. <laughs> um... <laughs> space base and so he taught us to play on board game arena and then we got we liked it so much we got the game and we do play the game as a family as well with cards but we were playing that and then we were looking like oh what else is here oh remember kingdom builder i always liked that game and started playing it virtually and now i like it virtually even better than as a board game because it's just so streamlined and easy and it's just right there set up for you and you click the button and put your stuff down and it shows you where you can go like it's just it's fabulous but it's a I, and I've gotten Devony I've gotten you completely hooked yeah <laughs> and I'm bad. so glad it's so bad we message each other how many times a day like hey Ready? <laughs> need a break yeah need dopamine <laughs> And it's a simple game and it plays fast so you can play yeah several in a row or more <laughs> yeah i don't know what it is about it exactly i love that it's different every time but yeah it's definitely helping my brain yes <laughs> and we've been talking i've asked my husband if he wants to learn how to play we've been talking to cloopies and seeing if anybody else wants to join us <laughs> So if you're listening, go to Board Game Arena, watch how to play. It's pretty simple. Like I yeah. think I, they, I noticed they rate it like two out of five in complexity. And really, once you get it, it's it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. But it's one of those wonderful European tabletop style that every time you play is just different enough that you don't. I mean, I don't get bored by it. Like, yeah, there's three, I, three different goals each time and different extras you can do. And the board's always different. Like, it's just there's a lot of variety. Right. And playing on playing virtually on board game arena, I think probably makes it even easier to learn yes. how because it shows you what you can do. Things light up on the board. Yeah. So you're not sitting there staring at the board going, where can I go? Yeah. You can see your options. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that you love it. And I love <laughs> that we both use it as a break or a reward or like call it a day like our brains are not functioning for anything else so let's play and sometimes they're not functioning for that for that yeah. either <laughs> yes and we know like it's not it's not happening but no yeah i think we're getting better at assessing our brains in that way yeah yes yeah. see like will wheaton says play more games yeah. <laughs>
If you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.